Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. In today's episode, Riley Smith will visit with Dean Banks of Indigo Ag. Dustin Huffman brings comments from Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack from the Iowa Renewable Fuel Summit, and Russ Parker provides his faith-based segment. Let's turn our attention now to this week's news headlines. The Eighth Circuit Court unanimously overruled a district court and upheld Iowa's 2019 and 2021 agriculture trespass laws as constitutional this week. After several organizations challenged the new law, the district court concluded that the intent requirement renders the law viewpoint-based and unconstitutional under the First Amendment. In the ruling, the Eighth Circuit Court said, quote, we respectfully disagree and therefore reverse... The lawsuit was filed by groups including the Animal Legal Defense Fund and the Center for Food Safety, among others. Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag responded, quote, The legislature and Governor Reynolds enacted these laws to safeguard our ag community and protect our food security. It is welcome news that Iowa producers can now be protected from trespassers, and it sends a clear message to those who maliciously target our livestock farms, end quote. Critics describe the laws as ag-gag laws, seeking to criminalize efforts to access and secretly record alleged animal abuse on farms. One-fourth of America's bird flu losses during outbreaks beginning in early 2022 were recorded during the final quarter of 2023. USDA data says that's when the disease staged a resurgence. Approximately 20.9 million birds were culled in infected domestic flocks from October through December to prevent the spread of highly pathogenic avian influenza. Successful farming says bird flu hit egg farmers so hard that prices in 2022 soared 32% above the average in 2021. That's the largest increase for any food categories USDA tracked during a year of high food inflation. As flocks were rebuilt, egg prices rose marginally in 2023 and are expected to fall 12% this year. A total of 79.7 million domestic birds, mostly egg-laying hens and turkeys being raised for human consumption, died in HPAI outbreaks or eradication efforts since February 2022. Since then, the disease has been confirmed in 1,059 flocks in 47 states. Fueled by record performances in Mexico, Central America, and Colombia, November pork exports reached their highest value since November 2021. USDA data compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation says November pork exports reached 258,600 metric tons, up 5% from last year and the highest in six months. Export value rose 2% to 737.4 million, the highest since May 2021 and seventh highest on record. From January through November, pork exports reached 2.64 million metric tons, 8% higher than the previous year. Beef exports totaled just over 99,000 metric tons during November, 14% below the prior year and the second lowest in 2023. Value fell 7% to $786 million. For the first 11 months of the year, beef exports were 13% lower than the record pace of 2022. And USDA's Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Iowa native Alexis Taylor will lead an agribusiness trade mission to India from April 22nd to 25th. USDA is now accepting applications from U.S. exporters who wish to join the trade delegation. Total U.S. agricultural and related product exports to India, Nepal, and Sri Lanka exceeded $2.5 billion in 2022. 
January through October 2023, exports reach more than $1.7 billion. India leads the region as one of the fastest-growing economies in the world. The deadline to apply for the India trade mission is Monday, January 22nd. And farmer sentiment changed very little in December compared to the preceding month. The Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer recorded a reading of 114, just one point lower than a month earlier. Both sub-indices of the barometer, the Index of Current Conditions and the Index of Future Expectations, also fell one point below their respective November readings. That's all the time we have this week for news headlines. Let's turn it over now to Russ Parker for his faith-based segment here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. So somebody asked me the other day, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? And especially this year, that was kind of a loaded question. I offered some thoughts a couple weeks ago, just before Christmas, about my desire for presents, that's with a C-E, as opposed to presents ending in T-S. And as those of you with maturing families know, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the challenges of getting families together especially with in-laws, married children wanting to do their own time at home, the impact of weather, etc. So several years ago, our family agreed that we'd set aside the New Year's weekend and maybe the days prior for family to come to our house to celebrate. So this year, we were all set to go until a few days prior, a family member got the crud. And then another, and then it hit our house and all plans for gathering were postponed. And then school started, and work schedules kicked in, and weekend plans that had been scheduled in advance all created impossible scenarios to gather as an entire family. So this year was a little different. We celebrated in Cedar Rapids and Adele and zoomed in with another family, and we celebrated with yet another one of our tribe the weekend after New Year's at our house. And we still have a gift or two under the tree, which I think we're going to keep up through Epiphany this year. So back to the original question. Yes, we received what we wanted for Christmas this year, just not exactly as we expected. And there's another component to the idea of presence, that's CE, that needs to be included in the conversation. My desire for his presence. And this Christmas, we got multiple doses of that which was not expected. But isn't Christ's presence often like that? Not my expectations, but his. And during this Christmas time, not just once or twice, but multiple times, that our families had an opportunity to experience his presence during Christmas. Fernando Ortega, in his song, Give Me Jesus, we can hear these words, In the morning when I rise, In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. Up next, Riley Smith will visit with the new CEO of Indigo Ag, Dean Banks, for segment number two of Weekend Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. 
Learn about these trends and more on January 30th by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association. Register today at iasoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. This week, Indigo Ag and Flagship Pioneering announced that Dean Banks will join Flagship Pioneering as CEO partner and CEO of Indigo Ag. Banks, who previously served as president and CEO of Tyson Foods, said he's eager to increase Indigo Ag's role as a leader in the industry by utilizing science and technology to offer sustainable solutions for farmers and businesses. I had the chance to visit with Mr. Banks on you know, some of the things that he's looking forward to in his position as CEO, as well as some of the lessons that Indigo has had to learn over its uh, few years of being able to be in the marketplace and move forward in that relationship with the farmers of the marketplace. Uh, Dean, great talking with you today. What's your initial reaction to uh, uh, being in this new position? Riley, first off, thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, obviously, obviously, thanks to all the listeners at Iowa Agribusiness. Um, I am thrilled to be at Indigo. I've, I've spent a career focusing on impact, um, but my roots come from uh, my family having a farm. Uh, my dad grew up there. We, we grew tobacco until I was um, uh, probably 10 or so. We always had a sustenance farm. And I just have so much respect uh, for the hard work that everyone does um, throughout my career going into life sciences and uh, the Marines before that um, and tech and then and then ultimately leading Tyson Foods before coming to Indigo. Um, my my career is lined up in a way that once I found Indigo, everything I'd done makes sense. And I'd been looking at, at Tyson, some of the some of the challenges in the food supply chain and ultimately giving farmers the tools that they need to better take care of their soil and their crops and um, ultimately deliver um, you know, more, more goods uh, and more goods that are better for the soil and for the planet. And uh, when I found Indigo, I joined the board about a year, year and a half ago, and I've just really enjoyed getting to know the company, the team. And when the opportunity came up to run it, um, it was probably the only thing that was going to take me out of retirement. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm more than enthusiastic about the future of the company and what we can do for our farmer customers. Now, Dean, you mentioned opportunities a lot, and obviously that's held very true uh, for your life, seeing a lot of opportunities there. Indigo Agriculture also kind of focused on providing opportunities for farmers, especially those revenue opportunities. So what are kind of you know, some of the primary goals that Indigo Ag uh, has when it comes to sustainable ag this year and uh, how they're going to support farmers through that? Well, you know, some of the opportunities are are things that we're just incredibly proud of. And the company was founded on um, biological additives to soil to help with um, biotic stress or, you know, drought. And those things just ultimately are products that we've made to just make farmers' lives easier and help them, you know, treat some of these challenging situations while also making their soil better. Uh, monetarily, that also turns into the opportunity to invest in things like carbon programs and sustainable um, crop production that's labeled so that they can ultimately garner a premium for their for their crops whenever they take them to market. Um, you know, there's lots of lots of ways that that people are considering going at this, but with with Indigo, we've spent you know 10 plus years 
uh, investing in deep and heavy science related to understanding what's going on in the microbiome of the soil and making additives that are going to help that prosper. We've invested substantially into the science-based tools to understanding what's happening in the soil so that when a farmer produces a crop uh, using our practices and the practices we know that work, we can quantify what's happening in the soil so that they feel comfortable labeling their crops as sustainable and garnering that premium and the buyers feel comfortable that um, they follow the best possible practices. And then if uh, with our new field flex program, if the farmer then wants to instead issue carbon credits for that work, um, we can allow the farmer to flex between how they, how they monetize. And, you know, carbon credit markets have taken a, taken a hit lately because uh, some other uh, industries and companies that have tried to do nature-based solutions haven't been able to prove that the practice is ultimately equal change. And Indigo Ag's um, science not only proves that, but our, our science is getting so much better now that we're operating at scale that we distribute you know, a very, very sizable uh, percentage of the profits back to the farmers when we can issue a carbon credit um, for, for our, for our uh, CPG partners who are wanting to offset uh, their carbon emissions. And Dean, you know, mentioning that science and technology and utilizing that for those uh, decisions and kind of showing that off as well, because uh, like you mentioned, especially with the carbon credits, uh, there's a lot of emotion uh, invested in that. A lot of people are already kind of set on uh, their stance on that. And if you can show them the science and technology behind it and, and the benefits that we can have there, not only, you know, monetarily for the farmers, but sustainably as well, you know, that's obviously something that, uh, of course, as Indigo uh, is uh, very well positioned to kind of tackle and and show off and maybe change some minds, right? Well, and, and we have our own work to do there in better communicating the science. Uh, we have some world-renowned publications that have been reviewing our work for, for the past year and, and others that have already published, but one that is is coming a, a, in a few months that, um, you know, when when I, you know, was growing up on the farm, Marines, even at Tyson, there were some there were some publications I hadn't heard of that just do incredibly rigorous work in testing um, scientific uh, research, and uh, we've been heralded, and it's put us in the in the conversations at all of the global leadership conversations around what policy needs to be to to help farmers, you know, make more money on these practices, uh, to to be able to to make changes uh, more quickly if they want to, and how they can ultimately get more credit. And Dean, of course, uh, just looking ahead to twenty twenty four, what are some of the things that uh, farmers could be kind of excited to looking at, whether it's field flex or other opportunities in uh, sustainable ag programs, uh, you know, things that they should be keeping an eye out from uh, Indigo Ag? Well, um, the, the most important thing is, is just reach. Um, you know, in the past, Indigo, you know, earned, earned a, a black eye uh, for thinking they were going to step in and, and be disruptive to agribusiness in the industry. And, you know, from my background, especially, but also, you know, talking to the entire team, everybody now very much realizes the value that retailers and distributors and, and agribusiness generally and, and agronomists bring to the farmer. And our approach is to embrace that so that we can service more farmers more effectively and more efficiently uh, the way the way that farmers want want to buy and they want to interact with our products. And so we've 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 eaten some humble pie uh, and we've been really uh, transparent and honest about that. But you know, rest assured you've got somebody who's coming on board now who really deeply understands that. And I will tell you that having talked to people inside the company, 
Um, the organization now deeply understands that it's a big part of how we're going to go. We're going to continue to go to market in 2024. So you'll see expanded reach. Um, we've 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 raised a lot of money. You'll see new products coming out. We have, I think, 30 new biologicals coming out over the next 30 months, assuming we, we can stay on track with that. I, 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 we're going to have a lot of product launches coming. Um, you're going to see more publications from a scientific perspective, giving farmers more comfort that when they make practice changes that they can um, rely on the, the very lucrative carbon credits that come or um, uh, the two-sided marketplace that we've established with massive CPG players who want to buy sustainable crops. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that all that Indigo has been working on, you know, for the past number of years, uh, 2024 is the year where it shows up at the doorstep of the farmer and, and integrates in your workflows in ways that, that make you excited to work with. Dean, lots of great information today. Thanks for taking the time to visit with us and uh, good luck in your new position as CEO. Thanks, Riley. And I look forward to staying in touch. And that again was Indigo Ag CEO Dean Banks. Banks will also be continuing his role as an Indigo board member, a role he has held since July of 2022. For more information on all of that, visit indigoag.com. It's time for one more quick break before Dustin Huffman is back to wrap up the show with Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, those comments he got from the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Summit this past week. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Welcome to January and the beginning of the new year. While we don't know for sure what 2024 will bring, we always need to do our best to be prepared. The same holds true when you're traveling in winter conditions. Make sure you're always aware of the weather forecast as winter weather can change in the blink of an eye and vary greatly between regions. And be certain of what conditions you may face throughout your route. You can always check conditions across the state by calling 511 on your phone or downloading the 511 app. This message on winter driving safety is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. At the Iowa Renewable Fuels Summit, we heard a lot about the future of biofuels, some of the challenges that have been overcome, the way the marketplace is shaping up. We even talked about sustainable aviation fuel and the future in that marketplace. But when Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack addressed the group, he made one thing clear. None of this will mean anything if we keep losing family farms. And he put it into perspective for all the attendees. And here's what he had to say. The reason I'm in this business, the reason why I continue to be in this business, and the reason why I continue to talk about the importance of renewable energy and renewable fuel is because I did actually did represent people during the 1980s. I did represent farmers, and I understood the significance of what happens when a farmer can't make a go of it. You know, when I, I often say that if people ask me what I do and I say I'm a lawyer, that tells you what I do. It doesn't tell you who I am. But when I ask a farmer that question and they say I'm a farmer, then that tells me what he or she not only does, but who they are. And it was incredibly changing to me in my life to have experienced representing farmers during that crisis, trying to preserve their farms and understanding how central to their existence it was to remain in farming and to be able to have their sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters have that same opportunity. That's what motivates me. And that's why I'm concerned about the overall farming situation in our country. You know, 
I gave a speech uh, several months ago, and a fellow came up to me, and he said, you know, you really should read Bob Berglund's report of 1981. Bob Berglund was the Secretary of Agriculture for Minnesota. The Carter administration, he was leaving office, and he made a report expressing concern about what had happened in agricultural policy in the 70s. We converted away from a supply management system where farmers were doing pretty well to a market-oriented system. We were told, and we told farmers, fence row to fence row, plant as much as you possibly can because we need the calories, the world needs the calories, and American farmers were incredible in terms of their productivity. But the reality is, and Bob Berglund warned, that this could potentially lead to a loss of farms. So I did some research, and it turns out that since 1981, since he issued that report, we in this country have lost 437,300 farms. Now, to give you a sense of how many farms that is, that's every farm today in the following states, in North, in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, and Colorado. We've lost 141 million acres of land that was in farming in 1981 that's not in farming today. That's the entire land mass of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Maryland. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves in agriculture, in rural America, and in the country is, are we okay with that? Are are we okay with that? Uh, If we are, then we'll continue down this course. If we're not, then I think it's important for us to look for an alternative, a way in which large, small, and mid-sized operations could be profitable. It's all well and good, as some have suggested, to get big or get out as the only model available. The problem with that is to get big, you have to have resources. To have resources, you have to have income. Here's the other problem that I have seen. We've had the three best years in the history of the United States of America in net cash farm income. Three best years ever. When I say that to audiences, I get the look. Like, what is he talking about? It's not my experience. Here's why. If you look at the division of that income, what you find is that large farming operations, those are defined as those that sell more than $500,000 in sales a year. That's about 150,000 farm operations in the country, 50,000 of which or so are operated by investment banks. So you're talking about roughly 100,000 farm family operations. They represent 7.5% of farms. They got 89% of the income. Now, I wasn't great in math, but good enough to know that meant that 92.5% of our farming operations share 11%, which explains why nearly 50% of our farms didn't make any money at all. Yes, they're small, but they didn't make any money at all. And nearly 40%, the 40% that I would say most people around the country think of when they think of the family farming operation that they made money, but the money they made to support their families, the majority of it came from off-farm income. And the question then is, are we okay with that? And if we're not, then I think it's important for us to figure out ways in addition to and in support of the renewable fuel industry, the bioproducts manufacturing industry, the climate-smart agricultural opportunities to sell environmental benefits from farming, to industries that can't sequester carbon, that can't store carbon, that can't get rid of their carbon, to look at local and regional food systems where the farmer gets a better deal from the marketplace. Look at all of those options. 
So we've used the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Law, and the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the CCC to create now six or seven additional ways for farmers to make money. And my time is up, and I'd love to go into detail about this, so maybe you need to invite me back and I can talk about it. But we've put in place an alternative, an alternative that says to every farmer, small, mid-sized, or large, that if you want to be entrepreneurial, there's an option. If you want more than one income stream coming into your operation, there's an option. And I think it's important because at the end of the day, what I hope happens as a result of what we put in place and what we're doing here and what you all are doing here is that we have far more conversations at dinner tables in rural America where the moms and the dads and the grandparents are able to say to their sons and daughters and their grandchildren, you know what? There's real opportunity here. You don't need to leave. You can come back. You can be part of what we love to do. And in doing so, you can make this country a stronger and better place. That's what I'm dedicating my time to. And I hope that uh, you understand and appreciate that that's incredibly important, not just to farms, not just to rural America, but to all of our country. So again, thank you very much for the uh, award. I am, I'm really, really touched and, and appreciative of it. And I'm going to continue to work hard every single day for you. Thank you. That again was United States Agriculture Secretary and former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack speaking at the Iowa Renewable Fuel Summit on Thursday in Altoona. We'll have more from that event. You can find that online at iowaagnet.com. And that's going to put the wraps on today's show. We thank you for tuning in here to Weekend Ag Matters. You can find all our content online at iowaagnet.com. You can also find replays of our programs including our market recaps and that's where you can also sign up for our daily e-newsletter that comes out monday through friday at 5 p.m free of charge you can also check out our free market podcasts that come out through google amazon apple spotify and podbean as well as being found at iowaagnet.com for mark magnuson russ parker and riley smith i thank you for listening in we'll see you next week on the iowa agribusiness radio network you've been listening to weekend ag matters 